0: Hello and welcome once again to the ALS Association Greater Philadelphia Chapter Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Heil, the Director of Communications and Public Policy at the Greater Philadelphia Chapter, and I apologize again for not having a more exciting introduction to our podcast, but we only have so much of a budget. Uh, I'm here today for uh, episode 41 or 42 of our podcast, and uh, this is November of 2015, and November is National Caregivers Month, and our annual luncheon is coming up this week, and you might be listening to this after our luncheon, Um, but our luncheon this year is honoring ALS caregivers, and something that every person with ALS knows something uh, about very well. Um, Myself personally, my grandfather had ALS, as I mentioned on this podcast before, and I've seen how he interacts with many caregivers, whether it's a professional, like uh, his doctors and nurses, um, or my, my father, who's met with him almost every day of the week, doing things from you know helping him get to appointments to as our guest to nail understands is doing basic things like uh, making sure he got food or even clipping his nails which uh, sometimes those small things end up being a big deal to people and uh, it really puts a lot of life in perspective once you're a caregiver uh, so if you want to get involved in the als association and, get, and help support and honor caregivers or just get involved generally with research, patient care, and advocacy. You can visit us at www.alsphiladelphia.org, and you can follow us along on all forms of social media. Uh, we even started a Periscope account last week at the walk, which we can talk about a bit. Um, and that's all the same name at ALS Philadelphia. So, with that introduction done, uh, this week on our podcast, we're talking with the Hemsing family. Um, Bill Hemsing passed away from ALS. Uh, Over a decade ago, but the effects of that disease and what it meant to this family are still felt today and in some tough ways because it's a tough disease, but in also because they're still continuing the fight against ALS even to this day and are part of our luncheon this year. So thank you to everyone here Tracy, Brandt, Tara, and um, Nancy. Nancy. See, I'm horrible with names. (laughs) I mean, you're sitting right to my right, and that's why we're having conversational being here. Um, Thank you all for talking about Bill and talking about caregivers today.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: So tell me a bit, Tracy, we can start with you, um, because Bill was your father and Brant was your father too, and Tara is your father too. Very similar, you must be siblings. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Tell tell me what it was like um, living with ALS and what your dad's diagnosis was, when that was, because it was in the 90s, much different time than today.
2: Yeah. Um, and like a, a lot of other people, I think the diagnosis doesn't come right away. They rule out other things. Um, but he was having symptoms for, I don't know how long was that beforehand that we
3: for about three months,
2: we noticed
3: the symptoms, but when, once it was diagnosed, we looked back and it was longer than that, that we yeah. had problems and didn't relate them to ALS.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very similar thing to a lot of people that I mean, of course it's going to take a little bit of time but you start realizing, oh, he was having trouble with this or things that to anyone else might just seem like a general trip or yes. a stumble and then it all kind of adds it up to you in your head.
3: Having meat mm-hmm. was
2: his problem. His hands would cramp. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and not winning his tennis games. And, he was yes. used to winning and he was like, what's wrong with me? I haven't been winning the past few. Yeah. And yeah, gradually. that came. And then when he was officially diagnosed, it was within three to four months that he actually went on a ventilator and feeding tube. So it was very quick. It
0: was very quick. Very quick. And, did, and so before he was diagnosed, um, did you guys know anything about ALS?
2: No, I can't. I mean, I think I heard of Lou no. Gehrig, but that's about it. I didn't yeah. Realize. And I know he came
3: home and we looked up in a medical dictionary, motor neuron disease,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and read about ALS. Mm-hmm. And then he went to the ALS Association mm-hmm. to get all the information he could mm-hmm. on it.
0: Now, it's 2015 now. This was 1999 when he passed away. hmm Um, this
3: was 95
0: so he lived with it for a few few years
3: um
0: but the way you get information now is a lot different i I started the show talking about our social media accounts obviously you weren't on twitter back then (laughs) i I don't know if you are now um (laughs) but you go you look in the dictionary to look it up what was was that scary reading it yes
3: yes i remember sitting at the kitchen table in this house and we cried a lot that yeah. night. And could, because that's, it wasn't for sure. He hadn't been diagnosed at that point, but he was just told that, you know, his arms were mm-hmm. jumpy with the nerve in his, his right arm, it started in his right arm. And the doctor said it could be a pinched nerve, but an MRI proved that it wasn't an pinch nerve, and then he said, Well, I want you to see a neurologist.
1: Yeah,
0: and now you guys, um, you're online, obviously, we set this up by email. Um, do you think that having that kind of information then through a book was that would do you think that made it scarier then than now because there was less information, or now when you have the internet, there's a lot of information? So, you know, do, what do you think is the difference now in terms of? How do you think the interaction was at that point?
2: Yeah. um, In a way that with all of the exposure now, it might be a little bit harder in a way because you do see all these stories and hear so much more about it now. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, but there's obviously a lot more help and resources and support now, too. So Yeah, you didn't look up a picture
0: of ALS then online and see like. People, All these stories, right? and
2: podcasts,
0: and you, things, yeah. Right there, I don't. I doubt you saw a YouTube video or anything of someone struggling to breathe or no. having trouble speaking. Yeah. So, it, so now it might be, but there also now you know that there's more support, and hopefully now there's even more support available for people like your dad than there was back then. That's yeah. our job to make sure they get the best care possible.
2: Yes.
0: So, um, you've been involved for over 15 years now, um, which is really admirable. Um have you seen a lot of advancements then?
2: Yeah, uh just so so much more uh, available su- caregiver support groups. Mm-hmm. Um you know, technology-wise. Um I guess when we started out, my uh, my dad lost his voice, you know, rather soon in the process and he um looked into software or Elisa Brownlee helped looking into software and that kind of stuff. And Elisa's still there. Yes. I, talk, I took a picture of her today. <laughs> <you go>. so. <laughs> yeah. So she helped us along the way with um, figuring out ways for him to access the computer still um, mm-hmm. and continue with his artwork and that kind of thing. And then. Grant was the <laughs>
3: primary rigor upper.
4: <laughs> good, good term. Yeah. <laughs> And you can see, I occasionally will go out looking on sites and stuff, mm-hmm. and just see what's out there. And the information is just so much more available for that, and the you know the type of stuff is available. In fact, some of the stuff that was quite a contraption back in 1998 is now built into a lot of computers. And you, you know, we could have handled. <laughs> probably the first few months of what we had to do with our dad communication wise just on a standard laptop or or even a mobile phone today
0: yeah. it's amazing we right you can get your own genome on your on your cell phone now which isn't just hard to believe considering that what that was back then in year 99 2000 um but uh tracy you brought up the support for caregivers that's really the reason we decided to talk today so what? We'll, so you guys all became caregivers very quickly, right? Did you have any experience being a caregiver in any way for someone before then? Any of you? Just babysitting. She raised <laughs> us,
3: yeah. yeah, babysitting. <laughs> that's it. I, well, that's and how- my mother uh, had her problems at the time. And uh-huh. I was dealing with her when all this happened with Bill. And she kind of had to adjust yeah. to her position in my life. And, um, but no, not, not a caregiver like <laughs> we had to become. And they were very helpful when he, he went on the ventilator. We, Tracy and I were with him 24 seven and we did his care in the hospital till the nurses were satisfied that we knew what we were doing. Mm-hmm. He was ready to come home, but, but we weren't. Right. So then we we could come home and take care of him
0: you know you make a good point there that he was ready to come home you weren't and i think that's something that needs to be put in perspective for a lot of people because we always talk about the 1200 or so people we've cared for with als in the last year and we're happy to do that but there's a thousands more who are like you there's four of you at this table even though you can't see because you're listening on podcast, but um and that's for one person with ALS, and I'm sure there are other family and friends that helped out in other ways. So there's thousands more that are caregivers, and you have to be ready to be ready, I guess. Mm-hmm. So what kind of was there preparation that went into effect as soon as you knew, like, okay, you should have this, you should plan this, or were you just figuring it out as it went along?
3: The ALS clinic helped a lot because mm-hmm. we'd go into that in our little room and the doctors would come around and they would tell us what to expect in the next six months Mm -hmm. and we pretty much did did what they said and a little bit more loss in other words was
2: relevant to yeah but um well and prior to even coming home with the ventilator or deciding about the ventilator mm-hmm. is really right. what they came to our house and discussed it with the whole and the family too. To, and the, to let yeah. us know what all it entailed to help make that decision because it was obviously a huge decision that's right
0: and I, I know that from my own family um and I can just say from my own perspective my grandmother had Parkinson's disease as I said in another episode, we have too many diseases in my family but you know my mom had to make decisions with her so, being a caregiver is also about being able to make decisions as a family, right? hmm And definitely. was this all, this was all kind of thrust upon you, right? You had to kind of learn by fire?
2: Yes, because it was such a short period of time, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. yeah I, I remember definitely.
3: them coming. Bill was in, in bed, and we all were standing around. And they said, no, if he does this, you'll have to, he cannot be left alone, ever, you have to have somebody with him at all times. well, that was no big deal. We were all willing to do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: It, I don't think he was as ready as we were at that point to to say that we'd do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: He says, "Are you sure? you know but sure, we're sure. you know we wanted him around as long as we could have him and so we yep. all said yes.
0: It's interesting you put it that way because like two minutes ago, he was ready and you weren't. And now just a little bit later in the steps in the process, you were the ones that were more, more ready than him. Yeah. So how much of being a caregiver is about keeping pace with the diagnosis mm-hmm. and and kind of being ahead of the curve? Yeah.
4: That That's huge. And that's, I think, on the technology side, the rigor-uppering of stuff. Mm -hmm. They were very helpful with that and just constantly pushing stuff at us and letting us try stuff. And that's where my touch point was on most of this stuff. But all the treatment stuff that they were doing, I'm I'm sure it's sure it was all the same. And, you know, before we go too far, we got to say we had the model patient involved here with all this. he he drove all that and made us want to do it and and whatnot. It was it was made it easy to do.
0: Yeah, the and our last episode of the podcast I did I was talking to uh, Kristen Colby, whose husband Craig has ALS, and she said that he's kind of like the coach of the team, she's the top caregiver, and she was like the offensive or defensive coordinator for the disease. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right?
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah
4: that, that does, that's right on, and then this, he could communicate less, he'd already, you know, had mm-hmm. his assistant coaches in place to be able to run the team,
0: so... As he's communicating less, how much of your caregiving is about understanding and being able to be a communicator for him then?
2: Yeah, beginning to think like him. Uh-huh. You know, that kind of came along. Um, and just following his positive outlook each day. It was sort of like, get this bathing dressing thing over with and let's see what we can do positive. Mm-hmm. And help the ALS Association as well. That was always his thing. He wanted... Um, Any funds that we would raise to go to research for ALS Mm -hmm.
3: and he was eager to spread awareness Mm -hmm. um, Wherever we went he he was uh, You know talked to people and and we talked to people about him and that's what he wanted done Mm -hmm. He wanted to get out there to people that this disease exists and you can live with it.
0: Yeah and that's always something that's admirable to me when I meet any ALS family, and I've met hundreds now working at the chapter is you could just be doing this all for yourself and no one would feel bad about you. Like, not they wouldn't look down on you if you were like, you know, we just have to spend 100% of our time on Bill. But yet, here's a person with ALS working with his family really to help other people, right? So, I think
3: so. Yeah, I hope so.
0: Well, it sounds that way. So yeah. you you were you had a lot of perspective in mind about looking out even beyond your husband. He did. Yeah, I think
2: he I, I us think in he, that yes,
5: a lot. Yeah. he did.
3: He did.
0: So yeah. did that then kind of gain you a new perspective, or did he force you into perspective about thinking about other ALS families and the caregiving they have?
2: You mean now or both that then and now? Yeah. Know? Yeah, I guess it did heighten our awareness of, wow, look at all these people and what they're going through. And Mm -hmm. um, as I was saying, I, after he passed away, went into occupational therapy for that reason to, um, I learned from, I was going to go into nursing, but I decided I was getting him to do the things he wanted to do. And, uh, that's more occupational therapy to me. So he opened that up for me Mm -hmm. for sure.
0: Yeah, and as you and I were talking about Tracy, I know that um, you know we've talked about other people that have done something similar where they had a love with ALS and they went into something in terms of caregiving or health. Um, so why occupational therapy exactly? Did well what, what we, made that important?
2: Yeah, I mean, I literally was going to start nursing school the, one day, and then I said, you know, it wasn't that stuff. It was getting him to get on his computer, do his artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, travel, travel, do different things that, and so you could still live and do the things you want to do and just, and that was him. That was the epitome of him and, and it just fit better with me than nursing. So, um,
0: so it's about making sure people have a high quality of life, even when they have a A lot of deficits. Yeah. Yeah. So how much of your time then was about medical care? And how much of it was about, as caregivers, making sure that your dad, your husband, had the quality of life, or, like, I guess putting it in your words, got to be like Bill?
2: Yeah, I think. I think the medical stuff became in the background. Uh-huh. Like, even though he had to be suctioned every
5: yeah. hour or two. Our cheek.
2: She would do the range of motions, see his oh, arms
5: length. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I read him when I yeah. could. Yeah
0: yeah so oh, tell me about them so what did you do terry you, you helped him with his range of motion you read to him a
1: bit
5: yeah i read to him you know when i could now, uh-huh. I, I mean i was busy you know working that's the one thing my dad didn't want me to do is to quit work mm-hmm. and help him
0: yeah and i i think that a lot of times those kind of health things are it's the mental health that's just as important and valuable I, that's yeah. right um you know, my I know my mom read to my grandfather. Mm-hmm. It was her father in law. But yeah, do yeah. do you think those kind of things get you closer together? You know, it, oh
2: absolutely, it drew our family together. Mm-hmm. Definitely, it's certainly things you wouldn't necessarily take time or have time to do. These two were working full time at a at a job. I happen to be in between, so I was able to be here more. Um, but. But still, it drew everybody here and around, and we did a lot of things that we may not have mm-hmm. done otherwise. So that's right. And it and definitely. I, I personally thought that
3: it was as good a time as it could be mm-hmm. possibly be, and we have no regrets um, for anything because he was directing us, as mm-hmm. you said. He would he would direct us and. And we just all did our best. Yeah. And I, that, that, what more could you ask for?
0: Were you able to do your best because you were getting good patient care beside that, whether from neurologists and hopefully the ALS Association, mm-hmm. so you could kind of put yeah,
3: Absolutely.
2: yeah, you
0: know, him, the person, ahead of him, the patient.
2: That's right. Yeah. Yeah, they would prepare us, and that, that was always big on him, his, uh agenda was think ahead Mm -hmm. you know what can i do um i won't think about what i can't do what can i do and they would help us prepare when we would go into the clinic um think about this and setting up the environment so he could you know and setting us up with to get a transport van Mm -hmm. um so we talk
0: about all the services at the als association like i said someone who's had als my family i Appreciate the things like the wheelchairs and um, speak devices, and obviously, Brent, you probably appreciate those things since you helped. You were the rigger upper, mm-hmm. um, but is the support for caregivers and making sure that there's the planning and just those
1: mm-hmm.
0: things that people who are gonna write the check or look online probably don't see that as much. It's not a, you can't draw a picture of that social work aspect of it. Is that just as, if not more valuable sometimes?
2: Yeah, I definitely see it with current patients. I I go to homes right now Mm -hmm. as a therapist and I'll see these people just at the beginning of, you know, the diagnosis of ALS and just to see how everybody's, you know, it's just, they're just upturned at all this and trying to keep up with all the changes Mm -hmm. and um, are very appreciative of the ALS associations uh support and most of them go to the clinic for mm-hmm. and get that resource there. So yeah, it's definitely
0: so so you you, you appreciate what that you get with learning how to do things, learning to be a caregiver. You know, it's a it's a crash course pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um and so what do you see what do you think caregivers need to know if someone's if you know someone's gonna you're facing a diagnosis of ALS whether it's a spouse or a father or mother or, you know, whatever. Um, how should people prepare mentally, physically, whatever, to to be a caregiver?
3: Be willing to accept help. That's a if, big thing. Yes. And he, that's something he did well, I think.
0: Like you said, a model patient, right? Yeah.
3: Right. I mean, he, he had to give up all his privacy and everything and he did that as graciously as he
1: mm-hmm. as
3: possible and i think that's a big a big thing you know to be able to let people help you
0: was if, he do you think he was like that beforehand or do you think the als kind of put it like do you think he was a model patient because of who he was that's good
3: yes i do
0: if you can't see she's nodding yes <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think so. I don't, don't think j- he would have thought so, though. I don't think he would have thought he would handle the whole situation, how it ended up going. But
4: No, he never expected to put people out of their way to, to do stuff for him and made statements about that early on. I don't want to do this if mm-hmm. I can't do that. But that all changed when... You know, when he as he went through the progression of it, and we all got involved, um, and all the support he gets through ALS or wherever, and mm-hmm. just the reaction from people. So I think that changed him along the way.
2: Yeah, but, he realized he could make a difference in in this situation. I think so. Right. Um, yeah. I
0: mean, it's hard to have the perspective of, oh, I'm ready to have ALS. There's right. not many people yeah. that would no, have that. That's true. Yeah, and that's true for almost any disease. I imagine if the- Certain things, maybe if you know everyone in your family's had X, maybe you're more prepared. But I can't imagine that you're just ready to have something like that happen to you. Yeah, of course not. So that's something. People need to be able to accept help, uh, both as a patient and as a caregiver. caregiver. That's true. Was it hard for you guys to accept help?
3: You know, as a matter of fact, we were taking care of him um, ourselves. And... At the time, it's hard to believe, but the insurance company called us and said, you know, you have to take care of yourself, Mm -hmm. and you can't do that going ahead the way you are without proper sleep at night because, you know, with him on the ventilator, you, you, you half slept because you had an ear. Don't you want night nursing? Uh and talked me into it Uh and it was advantageous to have someone so that we could get a good night's sleep and he would be cared for you know and as it progressed along it it was invaluable that we had that kind of and the ALS association I guess I don't know whether they prompted that call from the insurance company or what how it happened but
0: i mean i'd love to take all the credit but i wasn't there (laughs) i don't know but I, i mean on a purely realistic level or whatever the word would be You know, if if an insurance company or a doctor wants a patient to do well, they need the caregivers to be healthy because otherwise what's going to happen? You've
3: got to take care of yourself as a caregiver to to help the other person. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, you guys are talking about your mom being a caregiver because she was a mom. Mm -hmm. And I know you know because your kid's here. But, like, (laughs) I know being a parent, you need to take care of yourself so you're not falling asleep holding your own son, child. That's right. So... So you have to be able to get help yourself, and and that's a hard thing to do.
3: That is a hard thing to do, and people aren't easily open to that.
4: Mm-hmm. That's a twenty four seven job if you let it be, um, as far as you being on site and whatnot. So, you, mom did do a good job of taking advantage of that and you know creating a little relief, separation, yeah. whatever, whatever it would be. Of, it was a noticeable change i can recall after you bring that up
0: did you guys then like you said you're um you need to learn to ask for help yourself did you guys kind of help to relieve the burden on each other a bit and say i oh, know that i, you're, I know your burnout i know that you have this issue or i know you're tired and can't lift such and such or right yeah,
2: yeah. i feel like we learned to divvy up the right tasks or jobs and like terror moving them around yeah
5: how to feed them
2: yeah and
5: stuff like that That which
2: would give a break to someone else and yeah that's definitely necessary to
0: that's not something new beforehand no no No. No. so i I mean i know that just from doing some housework this weekend my wife is pregnant and we're doing some stuff it's like well maybe we should ask so-and-so to help out
2: with this you know and they want to help people want to help that's right and And you're actually giving them a a gift by letting them help because they're sitting there trying to figure out what to do and otherwise you're gonna get twenty lasagnas in the refrigerator if you don't sort of specify. I, I did learn that somewhere too, that just be specific. Mm-hmm. We we need to go for two hours on Friday to something, can someone be here? You know, just being very direct about what help you need. It's better that's to a be, huge thing.
0: Yeah, it's better to be direct once yeah. than have someone buy you lasagna every day and yeah. break their heart later when you have been throwing it out for a year. <laughs> like, yeah. you know we can't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't need lasagna. So um, I, I could use it. lasagna, though. So. Yeah. <laughs> but so we're this week, and people will probably listen to this afterwards too, we're honoring and recognizing the work of caregivers. What does that mean to you? you hopefully you're glad we're doing it because you're coming.
2: I'm actually, did I, you know I'm teaching the – the class on uh, Sunday oh. about showing the caregivers the different um, equipment and beds and wheelchairs oh, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So, I will be doing that for the first time. So, we're having
0: a caregivers weekend.
2: Yes. And starting weekend, on Friday, right? Right, starting on yeah. Friday at the luncheon.
0: So, mm-hmm. what, but we're focused on both those things. So, what's that mean to you, the fact that we're actually? Dedicating our luncheon, one, one of our biggest events yeah. of the year, to recognizing caregivers.
2: It's very, very nice because, uh, I mean, a, a lot of attention goes to the patient, and all you know, mm-hmm. understandably. But the caregivers really are in this just as much, if not more. Uh-huh. And it's, it's. I don't know many other organizations that do that where they honor the caregivers like that. And I, again, some of the patients I've seen that have ALS, the all the caregivers are going, and they're looking forward to it. And mm-hmm. they get treats, lunch, and like massages and things. and Yeah, that's at yeah. the Caregiver
0: Skill Day on Sunday, yeah. the 15th, which should be a fun day. Yeah. I, well, and it should be rewarding. I know we do some respite care too for some caregivers, and that mm-hmm. makes a difference, and, and um, look forward to that.
2: So, and transportation too. I know uh, providing the transportation to and from these things.
0: Yeah. That makes a big difference, making sure that the patients can get the stuff. Because mm-hmm. it's not only just the patients that get there, then it's a little bit less on the person, right. the caregiver.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. I know seeing them having to get someone in and out of a van. Oh, is it's not so easy. hard, yeah. So you had to deal with that, the transportation issues, I guess. Yes,
3: yes, we did. We had to get a van, which we found through a friend. He through had, ALS
2: somehow, too, I thought.
3: I, I don't think so. I think it was... Uh, through a uh, a person that worked at a car dealership and he had heard about a of someone who had lost a spouse and mm-hmm. and had this van and it uh, it turned out we went and saw and that person and I became uh friends and she was she was helpful and because she had gone through um a period of time when she had to ask for help everybody helps mm-hmm. a little bit and uh yeah and then the tra- then the transportation started
0: like you said everyone people want to help and they it's a gift from them to help And you know, they they want mm-hmm. and then right. sometimes people help by giving you a van That's right. Don't go expecting that at all. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Now we 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 bought it. (laughs) Well, no, (laughs) I mean, but
0: people will help with a van. Finding a van.
3: That's right. That was a good, yeah. That was, it was excellent. And we, I don't know whether you're aware, but we took this trip across the country. Mm -hmm. We had to rent a van for that because our van, we didn't think could make the trip.
0: But. No, I don't know much about that. So you took a trip across the country um, when he was after he was diagnosed living with ALS and You went all over the place. I knew I heard a little bit from Joan um, We all know Joan Borowski. <laughs> yeah, and yes. I, I think literally we all know everyone in like the Pennsylvania and New Jersey yeah. knows her name. Yes um, So she told me a bit but where did you go? What did you guys and why was that important to you?
3: Wow Oh, uh, well it was her, about spreading
2: awareness. Yes, uh-huh.
3: and they Tracy and her dad and these two probably said, let's do it. He, Tracy mm-hmm. asked him where what he wanted to see mm-hmm. before he died. And she found out it was the Grand Canyon. And I said, oh, my gosh, can't do that. It's, right. You know, how are you going to do it? And I'm like, what about the not-so-Grand Canyon? <laughs> <laughs> then they they finally convinced me, and we put it into
2: action, and we but then it became about spreading awareness. That's and right. And we were, and got sponsors and raised money to go to research. It was always coming back to and that we for put him. On art shows all across the country mm-hmm. in various
3: cities and it it was fun. Yeah. Uh, as you know, even though you know you were dealing with what we were dealing with, it, and our family came to that's we had right. a family reunion at the Grand Canyon. That's right. Cousins. We did. Our cousins all came. How
0: many people was that?
2: We don't have a huge family, so it wasn't that many, but it was a nice point for everybody to meet. So It was yeah. more than 5. Yes. Yes. All right. More than 5, less Where than 500. Five of us. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah, there were about 7.
0: Is it something you would have done had it not been for ALS? Like
3: Probably not. Not together. Right. (laughs) uh, Yeah. We We would have flown there. not. (laughs) (laughs) But not, I don't know that we would have done it. All of us. Mm -hmm. Because it it wouldn't have meant the same thing as it did.
4: Certainly not the cross-country drive. Not that we were all there for the whole thing, but that never would have been orchestrated for sure. That was all part of it and the Mm -hmm. awareness part of it. And, and yeah. him wanting to do it, so
1: yeah.
0: Do you think obviously you orchestrated it, like you said, you, you planned a whole big complicated trip more than just going on Expedia, and, and if Expedia is listening, you can go ahead and sponsor. It. But um, you so it was it was tough. Do you think that being a caregiving family meant that you were better able to plan and do that? Like, yeah. If he had said we have a I have ALS the next day, you could have been like, oh, yeah. let's do this, right? Yeah,
2: it's definitely learned, and my mom got good at. Dealing with the ordering of supplies and and we she definitely learned that along the way and yeah um, and I think my job was to find the, the hotels for each night and have mm-hmm. them
3: have a room that was adequate size and and it turned out <coughs> we kept saying we needed a handicapped room, but we didn't really because mm-hmm. he he couldn't avail himself of any of the handicap things. Um, at that time, so all we needed was room and and have enough uh, space to. It it, it and as it worked out, we had it came to only one hotel that we had a problem with a curb, mm-hmm. and we had this big wheelchair and we couldn't get it up the curb to go to him into remember in Green River Utah, and. A man came along and said to Brant, what, what's the problem? And we said, "He." they went behind the, the motel and got wood and made a ramp. Remember that? And then that man later brought his kids by. Wow. Because he, he wanted them to see, the, I guess, what we all were doing, you know, and it was. They asked questions, and it, that's what Bill wanted to do. He wanted to reach people, and the people we met in the at the Grand Canyon that we all wore T-shirts, and they they knew why we were there.
0: Mm-hmm. And well, I won't say anything bad about Utah anymore. <laughs> Not that I did before. <laughs> that's pretty incredible. Did you find that along the way that people were always help. looking to help?
3: Help and inquire mm-hmm. they were very eager to know we were down in um Wissahickon park and you know people came up and said what's wrong you know what's and we got to tell christopher them reeves? <laughs> Remember. Yeah. oh yeah that <laughs> so, was a question we had yeah because christopher reeves was in the condition that right and and somebody thought that Bill was Christopher Reeves.
0: That's a wor- lot worse things to be called. That's right. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't mind being called Superman.
3: <laughs>
1: That's true.
0: So so um, then being we talked about things to be a caregiver. There was being able to ask for help, and then also planning obviously seemed like a thing. Yeah,
3: we had a we something we found advantageous was to keep a notebook, and each day. We put down the date, and then we all write in it as things happened, Like so and so came to see him, and we had an occupational therapist here. She did this and so, mm-hmm. and it just kept us all updated on what was happening, even if they weren't present at the time. Mm-hmm. You could look at this book and see we got such and such medicine you know, it was just all got a phone call from ALS, you mm-hmm. know, just all kinds of things. Yes. It was helpful. I I think that's important too, to keep a so, something written and, and um uh, so you can have a place where you it's put that so information at once. Yeah, it is a lot of information that you have to
0: it makes you better equipped to be a caregiver in different ways later on, knowing how to get keep information, you know, as a grandparent, right. as a parent, whatever sure. kind of caregiving you're doing. Um, so what are there other lessons you learned from this, like in terms of interacting just with other people, did you gain some new perspectives on life as being a caregiver that you think you wouldn't have had otherwise, or maybe just reinforce some good thoughts you had?
3: <laughs> Everyone's Definitely. not everyone Definitely. We're done against, right? <laughs> Definitely, I think. Yeah, we all we all gain from it, don't you mm-hmm. feel?
2: Well, yeah, cuz I helped somebody. Sarah's um, now a caregiver.
5: Yeah, she's a caregiver for someone. Yeah, with somebody with MD, and and actually, my sister Tracy helped me get the job. I mean, she was her uh, occupational therapist, and, and the person asked. Do you know anybody who can help me with the bathroom and stuff mm-hmm. like that? And she, and Tracy knew that I needed extra money and stuff like that. So I've been with her for about seven, about seven years. Wow! And she's been part of my. You help her with exercises as well.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I help her with so
5: the yes. bathroom and going shopping, which is kind of a little tedious for me, but I've learned to be patient with that and
0: mm-hmm.
5: stuff like that. And
0: Does it make you feel good? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean,
5: at times I get very agitated, but then I remembered that she can't go and go to the store. Uh huh. So I, I just have to remember that. And so I.
0: You know, you're doing a good thing every day. Like you're, you're, you can carry on this this very challenging thing from life to spreading goodness beyond it.
5: Yeah, makes me feel good every time I help her. It's like. And then, you know, and then I help her family out, too. She's from a big family, so I help her family out. Like, her, her parents need help. I go up there, and I take care of their dog when they go away.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: So it's kind of like a second family. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, that's right. Caregivers can do so many things that aren't on the list, like taking care of a dog. And that's important when someone with a disease has a pet, you know whatever the thing is that might right. seem small at first ends up being huge in many different ways.
5: yeah, because I remember I used to get upset with you know you know when I can't find something in the store for her, and she and I had, I have to call her every time, and then I remember her saying, "Well, you're the eyes of the store mm-hmm. for me because I can't see." Right. Yeah. And she stuff. can't get there. Yeah, herself. she can't get there. So I have to call her. So it takes me a little longer to go shopping. <laughs> yeah. But.
0: Well, as a caregiver, you have to be all the different senses that the other person can't yeah. have, whether it's touch or sight or yeah, that's true. Or,
5: yeah. Right.
0: Every other thing, a balance, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other perspectives that you gain that you think help? Mm-hmm. You guys. Have I mean, I know I have... other caregivers.
2: Yeah, I mean, it definitely has helped me see the bigger picture Mm -hmm. Uh, when I'm going into as an occupational therapy into somebody's home and I'm not just looking at them and, Oh, let me help your arm get stronger. It's looking at the big picture of the family as well. And, um, how that person's disease is impacting the others. And, you know, it's a whole network in there, not just this one person's arm, you know, or whatever it might be. So I, I definitely, um, gave me the background to to do what I'm doing now.
0: And it also obviously shows for all of you the value of the professional caregivers so that the family caregivers can do more. So that, so now you're on that end seeing that as a professional, you're, you're helping in ways you didn't even realize maybe before.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
0: so that's great. So now we're going to – it's Caregivers Month. We're going to be honoring at the luncheon. You'll be there. We have Caregiver Skill Day a couple days later. Um, We'll be doing this for the rest of the year, and really we should be thanking caregivers all year long um, and making sure they get the care and support they need. Uh, Are there any other things you want people with ALS to know, like um, making sure they feel hope? Because it was 15 years ago that Bill passed away, and and you've seen some advancements. Are there some good thoughts out there? You're like, you know, things were like this then, and now we're 2015, and seen some advancements.
2: Yeah, and just to get involved as much as you can or and know that there's other people in a similar situation that might be able to enlighten you or support you. Mm -hmm. or um, You can help them. And you may help them in the long long run too. Get involved so
0: you don't feel alone. You don't have to be alone, right? Right. Right. Well, I appreciate you guys sharing your caregiving experience and uh, I look forward to seeing you guys again in a couple days looking at my Mm -hmm. non-watch there. Um, and seeing guys around for more and also thank you for being at our walk
2: oh, again. Yeah.
0: How long have you guys been involved with the walk?
2: Um, six years I want to say we did it. How long has it been at, at that particular walk
0: at Citizens Bank? Park? Yeah. now now I'm the one that doesn't know the answer. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm it's surprised... been about 10 years that it's been there less than that. Though, I think.
2: Okay. Yeah, because I'm not sure that we were at the very first one or two but we've mm-hmm. been there since. Mm-hmm. Um, the
5: girl's getting bigger like I bring my friends. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah.
0: right. And just like it was a team taking care of Bill, it's nice having a team together for that's the walk. Right.
5: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It is. But I do remember Dad used to say, you know, when he was telling us about the disease, it's not his disease, it's the family's disease. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And his
3: sister-in-law lives out in Colorado, and she, in his kind of in his honor, started an ALS group, in Colorado Springs support. support group. Yes. And she still heads that up and, mm-hmm. um, holds meetings every, what is it? Every month. I think they have a meeting and, mm-hmm. uh, she, it's wonderful what she's, they have a, a basement full of equipment mm-hmm. that, uh, in their home that they, people come and get what they need it's she's really done a, a beautiful job with that and it's her way of caregiving that's it uh, you know through well, bill well it's a yeah, great give way him to get back give that's right
0: and it sounds like one of the best ways for caregiving from that and from other things is to be able to talk and communicate which is what we're doing here in the podcast so mm-hmm. um that's one final lesson to have here is whether you're doing a walk team, whether you're being a caregiver professional or family, and being a family caregiver is a profession in itself, um, or you're participating in a podcast or sharing your story, uh, communication makes a big difference. So thank you to all of you for sharing your story. Uh, you can find more ALS stories, including more podcast episodes, on our website or on iTunes, uh, searching ALS Philadelphia. Find on our website, alsphiladelphia.org slash podcast. Or find more ways to donate, get involved, join a walk team like the Hemsings. What's your team name again? Pop
2: Pop Hemsings Peeps.
0: Pop Pop Hemsings Peeps. Uh-huh. My grandfather was Pop Pop. I have it on my desk. Oh
2: really? <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
0: uh, so th- you can still donate to their team, even uh, mm-hmm. uh, to Greater Philadelphia Walk to Defeat ALS.org. The donations don't end because the walk ended. Uh, so there's many ways for you to get involved. Please share your story, and uh, thank you all for sharing yours. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you.